The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. Welcome everybody to episode 25 of the Fretzelmania podcast, Power and Boldy. I'm Mr. Fretz. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E mania. This podcast can be found on Russell Attic Radio, The Cure, a common wrestling podcast across all common listening platforms. Today, I'll be talking about Monday Night Raw from April 30th, 2001, the fallout from Backlash, as well as other goings-on in the world of wrestling at the time. Stay tuned, peeps. Now, if you missed my review of Backlash 2001 on our Patreon, first off, shame on you. Secondly, I will get you up to speed here right after I cheat plug Russell Attic Radio's Patreon. Only five bucks a month gets you exclusive shows such as my 20 Bell Salute, the 20-year look back on pop culture and wrestling each month, and King Ricky Rosé, our wonderful General Manager just dropped several episodes of Tales of an Epic Nature, a fascinating storytelling podcast that uh, details a lot of things about his life. One of them being his diagnosis and hospital stay with uh, the virus, so I recommend you check it out. It's kind of fascinating to hear from the point of view from somebody who had Rona, because I don't know many people that actually had it, Ricky being one of them. So listen in for that. It's a pretty good episode. Now, let me catch you up to speed. Backlash, the night previous to this taping of Monday Night Raw, took place in Chicago, Yellow State Arena, Rosemont, Illinois, and the two-man power trip, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H, wrestled the Brothers of Destruction, the tag team champions, for all of the gold, winner takes all, and now the power is in the hands of the two-man power trip. Most of the titles are now with Steve Austin and Triple H. Now some other uh, happenings that were going on in the world of wrestling at the time that I managed to find were two events that took place a little bit less than a week. After this, going into the month of May, holy crap, uh, this Saturday will be May, and uh, next Sunday, a week from when I'm recording this, will be my mother's birthday, the OG Mrs. Fret. so happy birthday. Mom, I know you're not hearing this, but hope you have a good one. Love you. So, I found a New Japan show, uh, specifically Pro Wrestling Dontaku, May 5th, 2001, from Fukuoka, Japan, at the Fukuoka Dome. And I'm about to butcher several names here. Uh, I hope our resident New Japan fan and expert, uh, Mr. YLP, doesn't mind. And uh, Zach, if you're hearing this, if you want to correct me on all these names, send me a voicemail, and uh, I'll definitely be sure to shout you out. So in the opening tag team match, we saw 
Shibata and Makabe go up, go up against and defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi and Wataru Inoue, Osamu Nishimura, Shiro Koshinaka, and Yukato Yoshi defeated Team 2000, that being Hiro Seto, Ohara, and Goto. Minoru Tanaka defeated Kendo Kashin. That would have been a fantastic match. Speaking of what would have been a fantastic match, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions El Samurai and Jushin Thunder Liger defeated Dr. Wagner Jr. and Silver King. Whew. Man, that would have been a barn burner, especially if we're talking about like 2001 era Jushin Liger. Don Fry. You know, who was notable for winning UFC 8, being one of the pioneers, the founding fathers of UFC, along with the likes of the Shamrocks, the Gracies, and Dan the Beast Severin, defeated Scott Norton. You know, Scott Norton was fresh off of his run in NWO to form NWO Japan with people like Masahiro Chono and the Great Muda. Yasuda defeated Izuka. Yuji Nagata defeated Rainy Martinez, another mixed martial artist. That, which is Hiroshi Hase, Kaiji Mudo, and Takayo Kia defeated Team 2000, represented by Hiroshi Tenzan, Masahiro Chono, and Satoshi, Satoshi Kojima. And in the main event, a tag team match. Nakanishi and Ricky Joshu defeated Murakami and Ogawa, which would have also been really, really good. On the same day, literally the same day in jolly old England, at the Earl's Court Exhibition Center in London, was the UK-exclusive WWE pay-per-view insurrection. You know, in lieu of a Raw and SmackDown taping back in the day, the UK used to get uh, both two pay-per-views a year you know we had things like one night only rebellion and this was amongst one of them that took place uh a couple of days after these raw tapings and we had eddie guerrero defeating grandmaster sexay in a singles match which would go down to be one of sexay's last ever in the company as he would be let go the radicals harry saturn d malenko and terry runnels defeated the Hollies, Crash, Holly, Hardcore, and Molly in a mixed tag team match. Bradshaw defeated The Big Show. That's a surprise to see. Bradshaw would hit a really nice clothesline from hell on the big man in a very short match. Edge and Christian defeated the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, and Apron Bump's favorite group, X-Factor, in a four-way elimination match. Now, a quick sideberg here. Uh, Just Incredible was actually a guest on the Apron Bump podcast. Uh, also, keep an ear open for yours truly on that show sometime later this year. Uh, Apron Bump has been going through the invasion angle, among many other consecutive storylines. And I don't know how you swung this, bro, but he had Just Incredible on the show when he reviewed. Survivor Series 2001. A, Justin forgot that he was even on that show in the Immunity Battle Royal. That's awesome. And he did take a few 
constructive criticisms towards the invasion angle and allegedly uh forgive me here uh mr bump but credible talked about how he was allegedly gonna have a title run with x-pac had the invasion not taken place uh actually i think that would have been interesting a short-lived x-factor tag team title run i dig it chris benoit defeated kurt angle in a two out of three falls match two to nothing this of course would uh parallel and be a precursor to their three stages of hell match at judgment day which oh my gosh i am getting into that and a singles match for the queen's cup not to be mistaken with the duchess of queensberry rules match that took place at backlash chris jericho defeated william regal by submission and you can tell this wasn't a duchess of queensberry rules match because jericho won by submission and in the main event, The Undertaker defeated the two-man power trip in a handicap match for the WWF title, which Undertaker could only win by pinning Austin. He pinned Triple H. Makes sense. You have to pin the champion to be the champion. To be the man! Woo! You gotta beat the man! And now, Monday Night Raw. It is April 30th, 2001. We are live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, midnight after Backsplash 2001. Two man power trip now has all the gold. And as Paul Heyman said in the show, he who has the power has the gold. And he who has the gold has power. There is a main event graphic here showcasing a match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kane for the WWE Championship. Put a pin in that because uh, some may say that match is up in the air due to the condition of Kane's arm. Kane, of course, suffered a horribly bruised arm injured during main event. Backlash. The show starts off with Kurt Angle fresh off of his amazing ultimate submission Iron Man match the previous night against Chris Benoit. And he said that, you know, Benoit showed a side of him that I haven't seen in a long time. Asshole. You know, bunch of <clears throat> positive Kurt Angle fans in the home state of my good brother, Nate, the effing great. Shout out to you, buddy. Looking forward to recording with you. He says that you are the biggest cheater walking God's green earth. Angle sucks chance breakout. And they show the camera footage here for the last uh, 10 to 20 seconds of this match. Uh, it was tied 3-3. The match, of course, went into overtime or, or a sudden death. And right after the ref rang the bell... Benoit started tapping and Angle brings up that in the Olympics, in the IOC, sudden death happens immediately. So you cheated despite this tragedy in this. Yes, that is a tragedy. I am still a gold medalist. When I stood at that podium, I became an immortal. I became a legend. Out comes Chris Benoit. 
You can steal matches, but you don't have these. Nobody will know what it's like to stand on that podium, to have your national anthem played for you. I beat you. You lost. It's true. It's true, says Chris Benoit, drawing the ire of the Olympic gold medalist. They start fighting. They break down. They get in a little bit of mat wrestling here, a little bit of Stu Hart. Hey, what you get them for me, Chris? And uh, Benoit lands several Germans, including one back suplex over the rope to the outside. And it looks like Angle dinged his head on <clears throat> on the uh, hardest part of the ring. Shout out to the apron bump once again. And Kreniger goes night-night. And JR with a horribly timed line here, one that, ee, yeah, that might not sit well today. It's Concussion City over here. And Benoit. Yoink! Steals Kurt's medals. And Kurt Angle is shown after the ad break uh, looking for his for his precious medals. Going all over the arena, going backstage. And, where are my medals at? You know, where are my titles short? No, Bulldog, no, no. This ain't about you. Shout out to the Classic Smackdown podcast on Cultaholic. Cole and Taz are shown backstage, and I wonder why these guys are having such good chemistry, why they're hanging out. I wonder how they turned out as a duo in friendship or perhaps commentary. This is such an awesome <laughs> thing to look back on. About a year, we're about a year before the the brand split, the draft, and Cole and Taz are calling SmackDown for seemingly forever. Yeah, and Taz, to this day, like on AEW Dark, I know I do not watch AEW Dark, and I do not watch Dark Elevation. I barely watch Dynamite. But anyways, it's cool to see these guys hanging out a year before they'd be sharing a commentary desk. Oh, what? Yeah, Cole. Uh, something, something, something. Cole. I don't have any Taz-isms, except him singing uh, Tarzan Boy, which was awesome. So... Angle walks past Colin Taz, like, where is he? Like, like, just sitting there, like, I don't know. Oh, you guys are useless. And then Cole leans over. Should we tell him that Benoit left the building? Nah, make him look longer. Jackass. I <laughs> uh, got a little bit of Red Foreman in there. Next up is Edge versus Matt Hardy for the European Championship. Man, this feud would fire up in about four years. And would it and it would involve someone who may or may not have came out to ringside. Wait a minute, no, she didn't. <laughs> Scratch that, and it's in. So there's a sign here that caught my eye immediately, and it was the uh, the classic "I'm with stupid." Like, look, Dad, I'm with I'm with Rod, and he's stupid. Now, Mommy's stupid. Looking good, son. Looking good. <laughs> So Matt here goes for a superplex, but Edge instead crotches him on the ropes and Matt crumples to the outside. And again, later on here, Edge goes for a inverted superplex, the top rope back suplex that is denied. Matt goes for a moonsault and he is also denied. No stairway. Denied. 
a crossbody roll through spot, the classic, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ric Flair kind of spot here. An early version of a yet unnamed move by Matt Hardy, the side effect. You know, he goes, he does the uh, the ten turnbuckle head spot. The crowd counts along with them. He goes for the top rope leg drop. Christian distracts the ref. Jeff comes in, knocks out Christian. But what happens here at ringside is Jeff throws Christian into the ref after Edge connects with a really nice spear on Matt and almost won the title. Yeah, Jeff throws Christian into the ref and that distraction allows Matt Hardy to hit the twist of fate on Edge and retain the European Championship. We're already planting the seeds of dissension, of breakup maybe, with two of my favorite Canadians, Edge and Christian. It's kind of ironic, kind of weird to see that the seeds were planted this far back and it wouldn't be another, another like four, four and a half, five months until the turn finally happened. Backstage, the coach enters William Regal's office and uh, Commissioner Regal says that Jericho's actions will be punished. He books a match with Jericho against Rhino for the hardcore title. Now, bugger off. Do your job. Have some pride. Now, Trish walks into the shot. It's like, Mr. McMahon was impressed with your match with Ivory last week. Really? Did you watch the same match? I watched that match, and uh, Trish totally whiffed on the Stratisfaction. I mean, I'll give her credit. She was green as goose shit at this point in time, but looking back at this in hindsight, Trish went on to be one of the best women's wrestlers the company ever had. So at that time, no, it wasn't that impressive. But she got better to give her credit. I'm going to put you in a non-title match with China. If you win, maybe you'll get a shot. And then something to do with little things. And then Trish goes, I heard you're the expert on little things. Me too, Trish. Me too. <clears throat> Spike versus X-Pac. The <laughs> feud between the Dudley Boys and X-Factor rolls on. Yo, you dealing with... Okay, I'm just going to stop this joke because it's just going to keep going on until X-Factor or more notably X-Pac goes away. And we got about four more months of X-Pac, which means four more months of Uncle Cracker Joes. And uh, I mentioned already here that Justin Incredible was a guest on the Apron Bump podcast discussing Survivor Series 2001. Go back and uh, go listen to that. Go find Apron Bump. He's on, you know, Instagram and YouTube and podcast feeds everywhere. He does some good stuff. He's really funny. And one thing I respect about him a lot is that he tries to get guests from varied different wrestling podcasts. Like he's had uh, Nate. He had Nate on there from the Game Changer podcast, my former co-host, my good brother. He had... Uh, Kenny for your thoughts. He's had uh, the Raw is Chore podcast. He's had the uh, the UK Ruthless Aggression podcast, the RA era podcast. That is uh, Michael Michael Burnham, I think his name is. He gets a varied 
varied bunch of people on there. And then he had a wrestler on there. He had Justin freaking credible. Now, I'm not sure if Mr. Bump has had any other wrestlers on his show in the past, but I thought this was fascinating. And someone who was actually part of the invasion angle itself offered insight, which is really cool. Again, cheap plugging. And I'm going to keep cheap plugging him as much as I can because Apron Bump is awesome. X-Pac sucks chance immediately break out and then X-Pac immediately hits Spike with a wicked spinning heel kick. Sadly, he didn't do his karate kind of spot that he used to do in this just to be a douche. He goes for a nonchalant cover, but Spike crucifixes him for the near fall. Spike hits a really nice Hern Conrana. X-Pac kicks him in the corner, goes for the Bronco Buster, but his crotch eats nothing but pull. Pull to pull right in the pull. And then Spike Dudley cascades to the top rope and hits a coup de gras or a Dudley stomp or something. A distraction leads to uh, the acid drop, a.k.a. the Dudley dog, being reversed into an X-Factor. And X-Pac defeats Spike. A limo arrives. Steph sporting a really wicked shiner here, uh, thanks to Kane, who kicked the Billion Dollar Princess right in the face as uh, he was going to chokeslam Triple H. Stephanie comes into the ring to thwart the plan or to save, only for Kane to big boot her right in the chops. And... She says that daddy's going to make sure he pays. Oh, by the way, have you seen Test? What the hell do you want to do with your ex, Steph? And we see Kane's elbow being taped up, and it's all purple and discolored and blue and gross, and it it looks vicious. I mean, uh, it looks like it was a shoot horrible injury, and I think it was at the time. Backstage, Kurt runs into Team Eck, you know, Edge and Christian. Have you seen my medals? Oh, you're covering him because of the whole Canada thing, right? Listen, dude, we haven't seen Chris, and quite frankly, we don't care. Um, and by the way, uh, being Canadian, I would cover for most of my fellow countrymen. And that's a good enough time here to take a quick commercial break, folks. When I come back, it will be the rest of the show, including a main event between Stone Cold Steve Austin and, is it Kane? You're just going to have to wait and see. And welcome back to Fretzelmania on Wrestle Addict Radio. It's April 30th, 2001. Monday Night Raw is live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we are now in about the second hour of the show. Crash Holly is backstage in the APA's office playing poker, drinking lots of beers, smoking lots of cigars, and lamenting his loss of the light heavyweight championship the previous night on heat before backlash to Jerry Lynn. He is losing lots of money here and just not having a good time. There is a recap of Shane and the Big Show and. Shane's great big fall from the set of Backlash during their last man standing match. And they are both not here as they were taken to a local medical facility and 
injured that night. Test is on a 2001 cell phone, and Stephanie walks up to them and is like, oh, great. Oh, I'll let you go here. Hey, nice bruise. Get your hands off my face. Last night you got involved in my family's business, and I need to remind you that we aren't family. Oh, thank God. Just to think, I could have woken up to this. I'm going to book you in a match. My daddy at Test versus Triple H. I'm looking forward to playing this game. Now, any listeners of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review will insert the Steph, I can't beat this obscure video game joke here. I'll leave that to Tom Campbell and Matthew Gregg when they get to this episode of Raw in about seven or eight months. Crash is just slamming cans of Budweiser. He keeps getting uh, Royal flushed in poker by the APA. They bring up Jerry Lynn, and he's just like, oh, no, almost has a nervous breakdown at the poker table. Bob Holly comes in, and he is pissed at Cousin Crash. And they, he goes up to the APA and demands a match with him. If you got the guts, slams a beer in Bradshaw's face. Well, well, Bradshaw, do you have the guts? Damn right I do. And William Regal is on commentary for the next match between Rhino and Chris Jericho for the Hardcore Championship. And William Regal is... Uh, talking about their excursion into England later this week for Insurrection that I've already briefly talked about. It's like, I'm the only sports hero left that England has. Uh, he talks about Lennox Lewis getting embarrassed in a fight uh, late last year. And uh, Paul Heyman is just kissing the ass of the commissioner. And JR is like, oh yeah, by the way, thanks for... Uh, uh, you know, doing it, doing nothing about Stone Cold Steve Austin beating me up in front of my family and friends. Thanks for nothing. And Paul Heyman still, you know, kissing a little bit of ass again. Yeah, there's mutual admiration society uh, can uh, can continue elsewhere because we have weapons and plunder, baby, and a sop sign and uh, bins and bin lids. Uh, Rhino's upbringing in the mean streets of Greenwich, I mean, Detroit, is brought up. You know, the riots and the violence and the whatnot in Detroit. And uh, Winnipeg, it's like, who's ever heard of Winnipeg being tough? Uh, Chris Jericho gets out a weight belt, strapping him, uh, whipping him like a government mule or a government rhino, insert political joke here. And uh, there's the joke here where Jerry's like, where'd you find this duchess? She, she smelled of alcohol. JR, that is a duchess. There is a spot here with a face first bin shot. Ouch. Chris Jericho sets up a bunch of chairs and bin lids, uh, props up Rhino on the on the top rope, and there's a Hurricane Rana as Rhino lands on those chairs, which is a pretty wicked spot. Edge and Christian interfere, uh, causing a distraction. Extinguish Chris Jericho with, of course, the fire extinguisher, and Gar! Gar! 
far. Rhino retains. After the match, William Regal is in the ring and Chris Jericho trashes him. Literally, just smashes him in the head several times with trash can. Backstage, no, in the ring, Vince and Steph are proud of Steve Austin and Triple H. You know, they're different. They refuse, refuse to live a life of mediocrity. They reached for that brass ring. Oh, he said it. He actually said the joke. You know, that, you know, every released or not so released star is talking about, you know, grabbing that brass ring and getting to the next level. Vince McMahon actually references it, which is just kind of funny. It says, there were two blemishes in that match last night, in uh, Backlash last night. One was Test interfering in Shane McMahon's match with the Big Show. and Something to do calling Triple H his only real son. Ouch. And the other blemish is uh, my lovely daughter. Uh, the bruise on her face left by Kane. Uh, they show a bit during Backlash during the main event tag team match. Where Kane has Triple H about to do the choke slam and boom, kicks Stephanie right in the face as she tries to interfere. And the crowd pops. How dare you applaud that? I curse every one of you. I'm not a vindictive man. Ha! Asshole. Asshole. Shut up. Oh, man. And then I want you now to give your undivided attention to my daughter, Stephanie. Slut, 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 slut. They introduce the two-man power trip that come out to... No chance, because that's what you got. And then the WrestleMania theme plays. I mean, the WrestleMania theme plays. Linda McMahon, sweet zombie Linda, is live at WWF New York. So, you know, at least your professional life is successful right now, Vince. Although your private life is a bit of a mess. You know, on Friday, uh, our divorce attorneys will be meeting, and uh, they are excited. Well, at least my divorce attorneys are. And I would recommend that you halt your proceedings just in case something were to happen. You know, I think she's referring to, you know, not taking half of Vince's stuff, or more than half of Vince's stuff. In In the interest of fairness, Kane is too injured to compete in tonight's match. You saw his arm. He is unable to compete. So I strongly suggest that Steve Austin defends his title against The Undertaker, much to the chagrin of Steve Austin and Vince. This match is official for later in the show. Crash and Hardcore Holly versus the APA, and Crash is hammered. Just stumbling his way to the ring. And immediately, they throw Crash Holly out because these three guys just want to stiff each other. Phrasing. These are three guys in wrestling that you don't F with. They're guys that can take it as good as they can give it. And vice versa. Bradshaw 
hits the move that the new generation project podcast Stuart Brooks eloquently put as the sack of shit the same move that uh, Scott Hall used to do where he'd pick you up in a body slam and do a reverse follow a slam kind of like a loose version of the Samoan drop I'm gutted that the new gen podcast uh, ceased recording at least it's been almost three years since they've put out an episode and you know, I'm gutted Stuart if you hear this somehow love your stuff you're one of the many that inspired me to even do this podcasting and it, it was it was it was well done it was eloquent it was well educated and it was funny go back into their archives they're out there on itunes and all that it's worth your time especially if you're doing a job that requires a lot of driving or a lot of you know being able to listen to stuff they hit the double spine buster and there's a a spot here with the steps huh must be no dq crash is trying to crawl all over the rope accidentally hits a missile drop kick on bob bradshaw hits the clothesline from hell and the apa win crash throughout this match was like he was drunk or or something and bob decks him a couple of times angrily Malian Garcia interviews The Undertaker. You know, Undertaker gives credit to the two-man power trip, saying that their game plan worked. They beat us for the tag titles, although it took them, the boss, and his bitch to beat us. And now and now Stone Cold Steve Austin, he come face-to-face with Big Daddy Deadman. Oh, that was cringe. It's like, his t-shirt. Lillian, read my t-shirt. Try me, I'll make you famous. You know, kind of a enough said situation. Test versus Triple H, the pride of Oshawa, Ontario versus the pride of Greenwich, Connecticut, or wherever the heck Hunter was from. And tonight, Monday Night Raw is brought to you by Fram Auto Parts. 1-800-C-A-L-L-A-T-T and Castrol GTX. It's for your car. And the history between Test uh, Stephanie and Triple H is brought up here. Uh, But this match right away ends in a disqualification as Triple H uh, beats down Test with a chair and jackknifes him through the announce table. Kane, the one-armed demon himself, comes out to make the save and attempt to get some heat back on Triple H. The Intercontinental Champion scurries away and is pissed. Trish Stratus versus China in a non-title match. And this is just a squash match right here. You know, Trish was still very green in the ring, trying to get uh, her momentum going. She goes for the bulldog, but is whipped into the corner. Press slam, power bomb. that's it. And China's like, I don't have competition. I'm not going to pin my opponents anymore. I'm going to spank them. <coughs> What? Uh, I was like, I don't have any more competition. Lita's music comes out. Well, here. Ooh, we go. Uh, 
Lita challenges China to a future title match, of which we were going to get at Judgment Day. And then that'll be it for China and the company. So, spoiler alert here. In the main event, Taker versus Steve Austin for the WWE title barely gets underway because Triple H comes up with a sledgehammer to cause the disqualification. And the one-armed Demon Kane comes to the ring, but has unfortunately jumped by the two-man power trip. His injured arm is repeatedly hit with a chair. They prop up his arm on the stairs and smash it with the chair into the stairs to damage it even more. And JR is like, ah, by God, stop it! And that is how Monday Night Raw goes off the air. There's one thing I remembered from this show. It was Chris Benoit stealing the medals from Kurt Angle, setting off what would be an amazing feud between the two you know, would culminate in a three stages of hell match at Judgment Day and a steel cage match on Monday Night Raw in June. Something I forgot about had to be the whole thing with Crash and Hardcore Holly and the APA, like that little mini feud. Uh, Crash, he spent a lot of time in the APA office back in its day, whether he was asking for protection while he could have a freaking nap. So, you know, Jerry Briscoe wouldn't pin him and win the hardcore title when he was napping. Ah, uh, yeah, that's something I forgot about. And what would I change here? There's not a lot that I would change. You know, WCW wasn't a factor here. It wasn't being mentioned. Mind you, the owner, the kayfabe owner of WCW at this time was in a lo local medical facility. So I would have loved to see something like that. Or maybe a more decisive finish for at least a couple of the matches here. Namely, the Test and Triple H match. As it ended before it began. I know it was getting close to the top of the second hour. But you could have had something. I mean, I was listening to Cultaholic Smackdown Review, which is in about September of 2000. And Test got a win over Triple H at around that time. Mind you, it was due to a lot of shenanigans. But that blow-off took almost a year to get there. And you're still kind of... You're not really beating a dead horse, because as soon as Triple H married Stephanie behind the wheel... Test was kind of shoved under the carpet, you know, into the uh, hardcore and European title divisions. So maybe a little bit more with Test, Triple H, and Stephanie. Maybe a better program with them to get in between the Kane feud for the Intercontinental title up to Judgment Day. That, that is it there. That is all for this edition of the Fretzelmania podcast. And it's kind of cool that these raw reviews are now being released 20 years to the day of the show each week. You know, last week was the 23rd, my birthday. Thanks for your well wishes. It was a great day hanging with my family. Got some scotch. Can't beat that. Family, scotch, birthday, 
cake steak sandwich. Mwah. C'est fini. Uh, c'est perfecto. I don't know what I was trying to say in whatever language that was. So keep your ears open for Fretzelmania Fridays with a retro raw review every week. If you have topics you want me to cover on Fretz's Fave 5, send me a DM, hit me up in the Patreon chat, anything that you want to do, and join our Patreon, please. Five bucks a month. Tell your friends and tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I just want to send out my love to Anthony Stefano. You know, we all know that uh, he unfortunately lost his, his big brother, Greg, after a lifetime battle with cancer and yeah and my love my heart goes out to you good brother uh, a bunch of a bunch of people raised a whole whack of money in greg's honor for the make-a-wish foundation in jersey and they surpassed their goal by a lot so someone or some more than one person is going to have their dream come true thanks to the generosity of those who loved Ant and who support him. So big, big props to that. Big props to the Make-A-Wish Foundation in, in Jersey and to Anthony Stefano on Game of Ant on Twitch. Uh, definitely come check that out. I believe he does Thursday nights for uh, G-O-W and little uh, pay-per-view events on some weekends as well they're always a fun time there's there's a lot of us in the chat that are that are awesome folks you know g-rod's usually in there phil's in there sometimes good brother wade it's a fun time so definitely check out game of ant on twitch follow him in all of his socials the former rant with ant a good brother among good brothers love you dude and take care everybody we will see you in it's gonna be May.